With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is Amy Hatter, the Executive Director of Radio Y. Today, I will be reading the July 2020 edition of Link, a monthly magazine published in Lexington, Kentucky, by and for the Pride Community Services Organization, or PCSO, members and communities. This recording is a partnership between Radio Y and PCSO. All opinions expressed in Link are solely those of the author and or advertiser and do not represent those of Link, PCSO, or Radio Y. To contact Radio Y, please call 502-565-1914. To contact PCSO, please call 859-253-3233 or go to www.pcsoky.org. As a reminder, Radio Y is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. And in this issue, the feature is the Kentucky Fried Sisters. Also included are Ask Flow, All Black Lives Matter, Trans Kentucky Advocate Thursday's Child, The Journey Home, Imagine Living in That Kind of Fear Every Day, and Farewell, Empress 38 Uma Jules. And we'll start in personalities with Pushing the Envelope by Paul Brown, Wins and Losses. We just went through June, Pride Month, with a bit of a fizzle. COVID-19 stopped so many get-togethers and fiestas to show the world that we are queer and we are here. In fact, the Lexington Pride Festival was postponed. Definitely the biggest LGBTQ plus event of the year in Lexington, and arguably the biggest non-ticketed festival of Lexington, was absent during June for the first time since its birth in 2008. Of course, this development was a huge blow after the festival had grown to a two-day event with well over a 100 vendors, multiple sponsors, and stellar entertainment on two stages. The queer community ruled June, and this year we had to rule from Zoom and Facebook Live. Thank the stars that we have online platforms to have a digital presence. Keeping with a positive note, social distancing did not stop the Imperial Court of Kentucky from crowning a new empress and emperor, Diva Lilo and Isaiah Screech. The last reign did a wonderful job of continuing to fundraise for LGBTQ plus causes through Facebook Live with Empress Uma Jules coming up with creative broadcasts. We look forward to the wonderful things the next reign will do. Hashtag win. Still, our community suffered. The Trump administration reversed the Obama-era health protections for our transgender family. They determined that gender was a function of the assigned sex at birth. The ruling served to severely hurt our transgender community. Obviously, Trump is pandering to an evangelical base because he is terrified he will lose the election in November. Hashtag loss. We must get out and drain his swamp in November so that we can once again raise up our transgender siblings. Hashtag vote. Hashtag future win. I have to recognize the protests raging across our country in June. Let's start by saying hashtag all black lives matter. 
Clearly, extreme racism came to take a bow on the main stage, and people did not applaud. Instead, they took to the streets, sometimes violently across the country. The BLM movement took a starring role, and rightfully so. We must stand up and speak out for our black friends. What is different now is the inclusion of the word all to the hashtag. This edition is a triumph for LGBTQ plus people because it seeks to recognize the extreme oppression of our transgender people of color, especially black trans women. While trans people lost health care privilege, they gained national attention. If there is a silver lining in the stormy cloud that is our divided nation, trans inclusion would be it. Hashtag all black lives matter. Hashtag win. Perhaps our greatest triumph came from the Supreme Court. A few times now, the SCOTUS has handed us a Pride Month present. They did not disappoint this year. They ruled in a 6-3 vote that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 does extend protections to LGBTQ plus workers. Undoubtedly, our entire community, both sexual orientation and gender identity, are included enjoys federal protection from discrimination in employment. The SCOTUS sent a clear message here. We are all exhausted with a Supreme Court that votes 5-4, to four, usually on the conservative side, but sometimes with Chief Justice Roberts swinging to the liberals. Not only did Roberts swing, but notorious conservative justice Neil Gorsuch, a Trump appointee, wrote the opinion. That development served as a surprise better than anything I have ever received for Xmas. I now am thinking there could be some compassion on the conservative side of the SCOTUS, despite the Trump administration's and Mitch McConnell's greatest efforts to stack judicial appointments with draconian individuals. I am not totally convinced, but I am hopeful. Hashtag win. So Pride Month survived some bummers, but enjoyed some massive triumphs. We can be proud. We will be proud. Pride Month may be over, but we will continue being proud today, tomorrow, and every day. We are winning and we will win. One day we will all be held equal by everyone. Hashtag pride, hashtag winning. And as always, feel free to reach me at paul at pcsoky.org. That email address again is paul, P-A-U-L, at pcsoky.org. And now for Ask Flow by Flow Reader Panhandler. Thanks to everyone for your continuing support of my column. Keep your questions coming. I may answer yours in an upcoming issue of Link. This month, our question comes from a gay man who has recently started to be attracted to women. I tell him what my thoughts are on this questioning of his sexual orientation. From Straight Curious Dear Flo, I've always been gay. From the time I learned to walk, I knew I liked other men. I still love men, but for the first time, I find myself super attracted to women. I'm 34, and I've never felt this way before, but I have started fantasizing about women, and maybe I want to try dating women. I'm really confused and maybe a bit scared. What do I do, straight curious? Dear straight curious, I feel that you should definitely explore these feelings further. Although for some people, sexual orientation is stable and unchanging. Recent research indicates that some people's feelings and thoughts about their sexual orientation evolve over time. For example, a man who might, who in the past might have felt sexually and emotionally attracted to other men exclusively might start to become emotionally and or sexually attracted to women. This is natural. Our likes and dislikes and thoughts about a myriad of other things change throughout our lives. 
We acquire new tastes and discard older ones. There is no reason why aspects of our sexual orientation can't change as well. Perhaps as you rethink things, an orientation other than gay will speak to you. Maybe you are bisexual, pansexual, queer, or you simply do not know at the moment. Embrace the ambiguity. Sit with your feelings and embrace this new aspect of your identity development. As you explore these feelings further, you need to be honest and open with yourself. Don't rush into anything if it strains your comfort zone too much. I believe that the more you think and question your feelings, the more you will learn about yourself. No matter how much you feel that your sexuality is changing, ask yourself what it is that you truly desire. You don't need to act on all of your desires. That is true in so many aspects of our lives. But it is also important that you decide what these feelings mean to you. If you do end up dating women, you need to be completely honest with them as well. Experimentation doesn't hurt, but lies do. Acknowledge your feelings and desires, but be honest with your partners. Tell women up front about where you are in exploring your sexual orientation. The honesty will limit your field, but not delete it. You don't need to act on these feelings and don't need to change your whole life around based on where this exploration leads you. If your exploration isn't fulfilling, you can always go back to dating men exclusively. Darling, believe you me, there is nothing wrong with that. Either way, your curiosity will be satisfied. But you must tell your dating and sexual partners the exact truth at all times. Messing with people's emotions is not acceptable. For some, sexuality can be fluid meaning that they may flow back and forth on a wide spectrum of sexual identities. But don't get me wrong here, although someone's sexual orientation may change, that does not mean that at any time they are in a phase. That term trivializes a very important and intrinsic identity and implies that someone just woke up one day and decided to be something different but will shortly revert to the norm. Similarly, understanding that one may change their orientation does not in any way mean that someone can change their orientation at will or have it changed through dangerous and refuted practices such as, quote, reparative, unquote, therapy. You can't pray the gay away. One cannot change their innate sexual identity no matter how much they are shamed into it. Our lives are an interesting journey and many times unexpected things happen, such as an always-been-gay man discovering that he may not be 100% gay at all. In the end, how you decide to proceed with this dilemma is your decision alone. Make sure that it feels like the right decision for you. Please send any questions that you would like Flo to answer to flowritapanhandler at gmail.com. That email again is flo and rita, R-I-T-A, panhandler at gmail.com. Moving to Advocacy, All Black Lives Matter by Shannon Wampler Collins. If you are white, you are a racist. It's a provocative statement that can set off an argument in seconds. Often the response to this statement from other white people is something like, I don't even see color, but I have black friends, or I wasn't a part of slavery. That's great, Karen, but our whole society is built on the backs of black people who were torn from their families and their homeland and enslaved. We cannot even begin to imagine the horror and fear. These beautiful, proud people were treated like cargo as they were brought to America. What awaited them here was pure hell. White colonists sold, raped, beat, killed, and tortured black human beings and destroyed black families for economic benefit. This kind of wrong that benefited white people is at the foundation of our country. 
And as white people who have been raised in a society that does not want to look at our violent past and how that violence has continued against black people right up on through the present, it's almost impossible not to hold racist biases, even if they are unintentional. It takes ongoing lifelong work to unlearn these biases, and we as white people need to commit to doing that work. I ask white families that the next time you send your child out with a car, take a moment to think about the fear of our black families. Every time they go out into the world, black kids are targeted based only on the color of their skin. We have lost far too many peaceful, radical, beautiful black kids, men, women, trans, and non-binary community members to violence. The civil rights movement was strong and accomplished so much for that time, but it was not the end of racial injustice. We saw changes as the Jim Crow laws were shut down. With this progress, we encountered great loss as well, including black men and boys being lynched because of the color of their skin. Our nation lost a great social justice leader with the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. There is still so much more work to do. All Black Lives Matter, and it's past time for white people to understand this and to work for change. White allies need to listen to people of color and find ways to support the Black Lives Movement. A good start would be to let people of color lead the discussion while taking a step back to listen and trying to acknowledge and process your own innate racism. This would be best done with your friends and family that are not people of color, as they do not need to be burdened with it while they are still fighting for their lives and their freedom. It is no surprise that one of the least represented groups is LGBTQ plus people of color. Sadly, when a trans woman of color makes the news, she has usually been murdered. This is especially upsetting when we remember it was LGBTQ plus people of color, including trans and non-binary people, that began the riot at the Stonewall Inn. LGBTQ plus communities owe so much to these brave, beautiful, black and brown people that stood up to society and the police. They refused to be beaten down and abused by our legal system without fighting back and changed the world for all of us. Because of the current state of our nation, the ongoing senseless violent deaths of people of color and never-ending brutality of the police toward black people, there have been protests ringing out across the world to promote the message and movement of All Black Lives Matter. These protests are a great beginning to the hard work that needs to be done continuously to dismantle racism. Other white people, please find ways to support black people and other people of color. And to work at exploring your own racism, as we all work to break down the system that was set up to fail our black communities. There are many ways to be involved. Protests and marches are happening daily. If that is not something that you feel that you can do, you can make a donation to a local bail fund for protesters that are arrested. Support black businesses, nonprofits, and LGBTQ plus groups with your time and your money. Check in with your local community groups and offer whatever support that you can. Have conversations with your white friends and relatives to educate them on how their racist beliefs hurt us all. Let's hold each other accountable, commit to the lifelong work of ending racism, and create a world where everyone knows that all black lives matter. Trans Kentucky Advocate by Tuesday G. Meadows, Thursday's Child. And her song lyrics of the day are, All my life I've tried so hard, doing the best with what I had. Nothing much happened all the same, something about me stood apart. A whisper of hope that seemed to fail, 
Maybe I was born right out of my time, breaking my life in two, and I was Thursday's Child. Thursday's Child by David Bowie Becoming my true self was a long, stressful, scary process. At times, I felt I had to live with a deep, dark secret so big that it nearly killed me. I tried to protect myself by keeping my head down, my mouth shut, and working so many hours a week that I had no time to contemplate anything else. Pretending that I was okay was a lie, but I felt I had to do it to stay safe. I thought that once I came out, that I would always use my voice to speak my truth. Sometimes I feel that my truth may not always be enough. The past few months have been overwhelming. The pandemic specifically threatens older folks like myself, but I find myself increasingly bombarded with a variety of ignorant and hateful messages that spew forth during isolation. The current administration puts out discriminatory new policies and strips away protections nearly every day. Our state legislators still introduce anti-trans legislation. J.K. Rowling decides it's a great time to reveal herself as transphobic. Some in the religious community continue to deny basic human kindness to our community, not to mention that overt racism that has seeped out from the darkness. Old hurts are magnified and the new insults continue. Unfortunately, some of these insults come from people who claim to be allies. People on the far right and the far left both deny the basic humanity of transgender folks. Saying that I am not a real woman makes me feel less than human. I feel hurt when people say that I should be disqualified from women's rights or women's spaces because of the years I spent in hiding. I'm not saying that male privilege does not exist, but some of these conversations can be full of invalidation of my lived experience. I had to hide who I was every day. And although my process to become me was different than others, my life and my gender is not worth less than anyone else's. I was never trying to steal someone else's space, only to live in my own. I really get worn down because I get sucked into so many debates that I never intended to be involved in. I just want to live my life. Frankly, in order to reduce my stress, I have limited my social media, stayed in contact with family and friends, gotten sleep, exercised, slept well, limited alcohol, and done all the right things, but I am not sure it's going to be enough. I hope we find a vaccine for COVID-19 soon, but we all must confront the insidious diseases in our society. Racism, homophobia, transphobia, sexism, ageism, ableism, classism, religious prejudice, and too many other oppressions. Those diseases are the ones that are really destroying us. My name is Tuesday, but I was born on a Thursday. From the old English rhyme poem, Thursday's child has far to go. I did have far to go, and I guess I still do have far to go. Through all the hate and stress, I am still happy that I revealed my true self. Today was a good day. The Supreme Court ruled that I couldn't be fired for just being transgender, myself. I will stop to celebrate, but not for too long. There are too many problems in our society to address, and even though I am feeling overwhelmed these days, I will try to summon the courage to keep speaking up. And you may write me at tmeadows828 at gmail.com or follow my blog tuesdaysgonewiththewind.wordpress.com. That email address again is tmeadows828 at gmail.com and the website is Tuesdays 
gonewiththewind.wordpress.com. And moving into culture, the journey home, by Stan J.R. Zerkowski, founder of Lexington Interfaith Encounters and executive director of Fortunate Families Incorporated. Imagine living in that kind of fear every day. When Anika first called me, she asked me if I would come on a radio show she hosted. That never did happen. To be honest, when I was with her, I figured I needed to be quiet and learn from her, not be talking about myself or my work. I told her that. That began a relationship that I treasured and still treasure. She invited me to lead prayer and say a few words at a peace march last year on June 8th in Duncan Park. I did. It was easy to pray when you were in the presence of a holy woman. Anita Franklin's holiness was practical, real, palpable. I called her Blessed Anita of Lexington. I do not think I understood the incredible need for the peace march, nor her incredible grief over her son's tragic death, and so many others too. I don't think I'll ever fully understand the soul-wrenching grief of other moms and dads, grandparents, sisters and brothers, aunts and uncles, for whom peace walks and the quest for reasonable gun control laws are ways of living hope and living for others despite unfathomable pain caused by having a family member killed through gun violence. We talk a lot about the black experience, which I came to realize was far different than what I thought it was, and far different from my own experience. Anita once asked me, You have had to live in some fear as a gay person, right? I shared a few stories with her. After Hurricane Katrina, while working in a Florida parish, I headed up relief efforts for the Lower Ninth Ward in New Orleans. The Lower Ninth Ward was historically black, and my friends Leah Chase and her husband Dookie owned Dookie's Dookie Chase's Restaurant and Bar just outside of the French Quarter, which was a pivotal player in the procurement of civil and economic rights for the black community. They introduced me to the plight of the local black community years before Katrina, and because of them I had a relationship with the African American community already through my work with St. Maurice Church there. It was natural to lead relief efforts and for Brad to pick me up for for Brad and me to pack up the car and drive there in the aftermath of Katrina's devastation. I could write a book about the experience, perhaps another time. The drive from Florida to New Orleans is what I shared with Anita. As we drove into Alabama, we were very hungry and decided to look for a place to eat. We drove quite a way into Alabama looking for something open to grab a bite, and we innately knew by observing our surroundings that it was a dangerous place for two gay men. Signage betrayed the danger and I was a wreck. I hoped our car did not break down and I knew that getting food was out of the question. Using the restroom was also out of the question and I really needed to use one. I was uncomfortable on so many levels. I feared for our safety until we got back into what we could tell, again by observation, was a more friendly area. Working within the structure of the Roman Catholic Church for my entire career has also provided some fearful times. One might think people of faith would be welcoming and affirming, but they are not always. I've had people try to destroy me and my livelihood because of who I am, and they fancied themselves good Christians. One time, someone even left a note on my home's front door. If you don't leave the parish at which I worked, I'll get you fired. Start packing. Get out. That really scared me. I lived in fear for quite a while. Another time, I had a note left on my car in the church parking lot that read, 
and this has been edited for content. Quote, F-G, unquote. I had a parking spot with a sign that said, Director of Liturgy, so the person who left the note knew it was my car. I shared these stories, and she said, Imagine living in that kind of fear every day, no matter what you are doing. That is the black experience. She was trying to help me understand. Gun violence, despite being a horrible plague, had nothing on racism when it reared its ugly head in too many ways to count. I come from a place of white privilege and can only glimpse and never fully comprehend the toxic virus that is racism infecting our society and its structures, causing sisters and brothers to live in fear when doing the things most of us take for granted. My experiences of fear, though very real for me, pale in comparison. Last week, I stood and walked with black faith leaders in downtown Lexington who called for reform, justice, and eradicating racism from our hearts and our community and who want white faith leaders to actively stand with them and work with them. I thought of Anita. I also thought about how despite the little I understand of the black experience, I do believe with all my heart that black lives do matter. It is not enough to say all lives matter. It is our black family members who need us to realize they matter. Black lives matter. And they need us to work for justice as we support them in words, which sometimes is way too easy, and most importantly, in action. As members of the LGBTQ community, we should be acutely aware of how awful it is to live in fear. That awareness should give us insight into why we need to boldly say Black Lives Matter, with words and with action, even if we will never understand the fear and injustice our Black sisters and brothers endure as a way of life. I love this photo of Anita and me. My life mattered to her. She let me know that in so many ways. The lives of sisters and brothers she never met mattered too. That is one reason we walked on that peace walk last June. Anita knew she would never understand my experience, and I knew I would never understand hers. But we both tried to learn. Often it was late-night conversations that were the source of grace and learning. Most importantly, we loved each other. She loved so unconditionally that even without understanding another's experience, she could stand with them and speak boldly to try and create a just and safe society. Or she could just hold their hand and be presented when no words were necessary. Anita's life mattered to me. My life mattered to her. LGBTQ plus lives mattered to her. White lives mattered to her. Immigrant lives mattered to her. Broken lives because of gun violence mattered to her. All was too generic for her. Black lives mattered to her. Now is our moment to figure out if black lives really do matter to us. If they do, we must find ways to bring about justice and eradicate fear, oppression, and racism as we walk together on our journey home. And you can contact JR at jrfflex at gmail.com. That email address again is jrfflex at gmail.com. And there's an ad on this page from Crossings Lexington, Lexington's favorite LGBTQ plus dive bar, hosting monthly events, drag shows, leather events, karaoke, pool tournament, piano party, daily happy hour, bear events, strippers, house DJ, special fundraisers, glow party, and much more. Follow us on social media for event details. 
They are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Their physical address is 117 North Limestone, Lexington, Kentucky, 40507, and their phone number is 859-303-5005. That phone number again is 859-303-5005. On the next page, there are two ads. The first one is from Imperial Flowers. Say it with flowers at 393 Waller Avenue, Lexington, Kentucky, 40504. Their local number is 859-233-7486, and the toll-free number is 800-888-7486. Visit imperialflowerslexington.com and save $10 online with discount code PRIDE. The next ad is Bluegrass United Church of Christ a welcoming and affirming congregation. Things today seem uncertain. Our world seems unsafe. We understand. We are here, here to help you deal with the worry. Send out, Reach out to us. Send us an email. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. And their contact information is pastors at bluegrasschurch.org and the website is www.bluegrasschurch.org. Around the Library by Amy Pemberton the Creation of Anne Boleyn, A New Look at England's Most Notorious Queen by Susan Bordeaux. A Confession Since high school, I have been a serious Tudor history fan. I can tell you where Catherine was divorced, which beheaded, and which, devi- which survived. I can tell you that I couldn't make it past the first season of the Tudors because even Jonathan Rhys Myers and Natalie Dormer together could not get me past the blazing historical inaccuracies. But after reading The Creation of Anne Boleyn, I might have to give it another chance. Creation is the cultural history of Anne Boleyn. That might sound dry, but it isn't. And not just because the author interviewed Natalie Dormer or trashes Philippa Gregory's historical claims. Despite Anne's place in history, almost everything we know about her is secondhand and frequently from hostile sources. Much of what we think we know about Anne simply isn't so and Susan Bordeaux brings to light the myths and distortions that are too often mistaken for history, even by scholars who ought to know better. Bordeaux is a local author. She is a professor of gender and women's studies and holds the Otis A. Singletary Chair in the Humanities at the University of Kentucky. We tend to assume that gender is a recent concern, but Bordeaux points out that the well-educated Anne was conversant with the discussions around gender taking place in her own time, and was aware that her transgression of gender roles contributed to her downfall. So before you reread The Other Boleyn Girl or binge The Tudors, I highly recommend that you read this book. It will be added to the PCSO Pride Library once it reopens, but until then you can check it out through the Lexington Public Library Overdrive eBook system at lexpublive.overdrive.com slash media slash 1395708. And this link will be put in the description so you can see it again there. And now for our feature, The Kentucky Fried Sisters, by Ken Tages, founding abbess of the Kentucky Fried Sisters. The editors of Link are interested in every aspect of the local LGBTQ plus community, and some of our most frequently asked questions are about the Kentucky Fried Sisters, or KFS. 
We will admit that we often have had a hard time explaining to people, even in our own community, exactly what KFS does, so we asked Ken Tages, founding abbess of the Kentucky Fried Sisters, to give us some insight. Here is what they told us. By now, most of you have probably at least seen us roaming the streets, at local events or shows, or in pictures rallying with Governor Andy Bashir. We are the Kentucky Fried Sisters, covenant of the thoroughly bred and breaded. We are a local order of the 21st century genderqueer clown nuns here to raise up those around us through acts of love and jesting. Since we have received many questions as to who or what we are, I figured this would be a wonderful opportunity to share with you the who, what, why, how of our covenant, of our convent. Our Sistery The Kentucky Fried Sisters, as you may know, is a limb of a much older and larger organization called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The history of the sisters is an old and gnarled tree, one with countless branches that twist, tangle, and occasionally wither. The most important details to glean from our sistery are as follows. 1797, 1979, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, or SPI, started in San Francisco, California. 1979, the habit sisters wore on the Easter weekend manifest were donated by Catholic nuns. 1980, the sisters' first ever fundraiser was bingo at the Metropolitan Community Church that raised $1,500 to aid Cuban refugees. 1981, the sisters produced the world's first fundraiser benefit for an AIDS organization. 1982, registered nurses Sister Florence Nightmare and Sister Roz Erection joined with a team of sisters and medical professionals to create Playfair. It was the first safer sex pamphlet anywhere in the world to use plain, sex-positive language, practical advice, and humor. It was so well received that it went through a second printing within just a few months. 1982. Pushing the political envelope, Sister Boom Boom ran under the NUN, N-U-N, of the above ticket in the race for supervisor of San Francisco and got 23,000 votes. 1983, CBS National TV came to town to do their hour-long special, Gay Power, Gay Politics, featuring Sister Boom Boom. 1990, the sisters brought safety and focused on the spontaneous party that happened in the tiny Castro neighborhood. They single-handedly produced a show that allowed the sisters to raise thousands of dollars each year to give out as community grants the following spring. The sisters have grown throughout the U.S., Canada, Australia, Europe, and South America, and are currently organized as an international network of orders, which are mostly nonprofit charity organizations that raise money for AIDS relief, LGBTQ plus related causes, and mainstream community service. Between 1979 and 2007, the sisters are credited with raising over a million dollars for various causes or almost $40,000 on average per year for community benefit. Every year we continue to grow and bolster aid to those in need. KFS started in December of 2016 as a product of the civil unrest and fear that evolved after the 2016 election. Several brave individuals came forward from multiple communities to unite and spread more laughter, joy, and love in a time of guilt and rage. So far, we have been able to establish a monthly blessed bingo where we have been able to regularly help local nonprofits financially. Every day, our little hen house is growing in both number 
and in honing our ability to effectively aid the community around us. We accept and welcome any individual of any race, gender, or orientation that shares our philosophy for bettering the world around us. What is a nun? Many foaming, rabid, religious nuts often argue our legitimacy by spitting and spewing the Webster's Dictionary definition of the modern-day term. Nun, noun, one. A woman member of a religious order, especially one bound by vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Two. Any of various birds, especially a domestic variety of pigeon. However, most literate beings understand that words have changed and evolved, much like we have, and the roots of these labels commonly aren't what they mean today. The word nun has many meanings depending upon language and culture. The term nun as we know it rises from around 450 AD from the Latin root nona, meaning sage or tutor, and then eventually the Old English word nun, N-U-N-N-E, which is defined as a priestess. This is a concept or role that predates modern Christianity or even organized religion as a whole. It is interesting to note that queer individuals have also held divine roles for as long as these roles have been established. Sumerian and Akkadian texts have been found that document transgender priests, priestesses, and sex workers existing up to 4,500 years ago. Another example of this is in Native American culture. Many of these indigenous tribes had what were known as two-spirit individuals. In the Lakota tribe, this person was referred to as a Winkti, and the Navajo and Zuni recognized four distinct genders, two of which were called Nadli in the Navajo and Ihamana in the Zuni, which today we would recognize as transgender men and women. It's more commonly believed today from text and depictions that there has existed a third gender role since prehistoric times. These individuals were most commonly the spiritualist, shamans, priests or priestesses, or medicine men. Our roots in spirituality have always been that of a fruit tree, it seems. The Catholic-labeled nun does not seem to exist until somewhere between the 13th and 14th centuries. Now, please do not misunderstand. I am not saying professed women did not exist until then, because there is plenty of evidence supporting this as early as the 4th century. However, they chose the title or name Spouses of Christ or Brides of Christ. This is probably due to the fact that most of these early devotees were either virgins or widowed women. Actually, there is plenty of text that supports the idea that these women were still able to be mothers. Those pesky vows of chastity didn't come into play until much later, when oppressive white when white oppressive Catholic men started doing some revising. The reason I bring these up is because we, as human beings, most commonly exist in an egocentric universe. Unfortunately, the ability to be multifaceted in our perceptions, belief, and even our morals are extremely rare. This does not have to be the way we develop, building barriers instead of better understanding our feelings and creating original and authentic thoughts of our own. We take ownership of the word nun, just as Catholics have. We take ownership as spiritualists of the queer community, just as all other spiritual groups have. We do not mock those who have spirituality, and we do not mock nuns. We are nuns. We are the modern-day metaphorical shaman to the LGBTQ plus community. Why clown nuns? Okay, this is a question I get asked all the time. 
What you do is wonderful, but why on earth clown nuns? Well, to be fair, that's not how the sisters started. At the first manifest on Easter weekend, one member had clown white on. The tradition of using clown white paint started for a slew of reasons. Some needed anonymity from co-workers and family to be in this group. Some were afraid that in a time of Castro clones, when everyone strived to look like Tom of Finland art, that dressing as a queer nun would hurt business as a sex worker or even just their romantic life. Some say that we jest with obstinate religions and depict joy and fun to parallel the rigid rules and fear associated with other spiritual groups. When I asked one of our founders about the paint, there seemed to be a moment of reflection and thought followed by, it just photographs better. I think for each and every one of us, it has its own importance that is equally valid. Does the LGBTQ plus community need nuns? I believe it is just as vital to have nuns for the queer community as it is to have nuns for heteronormative Christian culture. When one compares and contrasts these groups, we see many similarities. Nuns take vows of poverty so they may live a life closely resembling the Messiah. We take vows to spread joy in actions, to act poor in spirit and give freely of love, which is the same root cause. Nuns take vows of obedience to Jesus Christ by seeking God's work and obeying super superiors. We take, we take vows to serve and obey the needs of our communities so we may better advocate for those that need it the most. Lastly, nuns take vows of chastity to mirror how Jesus was said to be chaste. We, well, we think two out of three ain't bad. The truth is the queer community throughout the ages has needed support. We need support when we come out and are kicked out by the ones who are supposed to love us unconditionally. We need someone to listen when we are angry or discriminated against. We need a shoulder when we find out we are HIV positive. We need truthful conversation about things no one told us about, like safer queer sex practices and finding resources. We exist because there is a need. We are nuns to fill the spiritual scars and wounds created by our past rejections, and we are sisters because our community is a family, and they need big siblings to help them occasionally. Why us specifically? So these reasons to help are elevated and wonderful, but why us specifically? What's in it for us? Well, I would be lying if I said there was not a mutual benefit. For some of us, we get that attention that is also therapeutic to us. For others, it offers karmic balance to the chaos in other parts of our life. For the majority of this, we do this because we were compelled to, someone needed to. When I turned in the application to start KFS, it was in November of 2016. The high of marriage equality had left, and the mirage of inclusion and acceptance dissipated. What many of us began to see was a rain inspired by fear and hate coming into bloom. For me personally, we needed something shocking, something as powerful as it is queer. I don't think the sisters completely fill the void, however. I believe we add to the activists, drag queens, politicians, and individuals working to bridge the chasm widened in the last few years. For a lot of us in KFS, this isn't makeup we wear, it's war paint. So what are the real concerns? The religious aspect has already been addressed, but I will quickly recap. We do not mock nuns because we are nuns. One's religion is not devalued because of our differing beliefs. We aren't specifically attacking religious beliefs, 
Rather, we challenge preconceived ideals forced upon us by religion, government, and society as a whole. We do this through fundraising for other nonprofits that need financial help to maintain operations. We do this by creating events offering sanctuary for individuals to be themselves without fear or stigmatic guilt. Lastly, we do this by standing up to oppressive forces of ignorance and bigotry. We are the voice of those who cannot speak up and the ones marching for those that cannot stand up for themselves. But our nonprofit doesn't work within the confines of just the gay groups. Rather, we try to lead by example using fundraising, activism, and education to effect positive change for women, children, and minorities as a whole. We tirelessly work to teach ways in which one can use a fiery passion to empower love instead of lashing out in hate. Many of our beliefs mirror those that most religions indoctrinate their followers with. If you have the ability to help another, do it. If you have the platform to create beneficial change, share it. Be better than those that wish to destroy you. And the golden rule, don't be an asshole. If you are still interested in what we do or how we do it, I would like to invite each and every one of you to any of our upcoming events. Every month we hold our monthly board meetings in Lexington. The third Sunday of every month is our blessed bingo with the sisters. We are usually at a slew of local shows and events to help support the queer community. We also always welcome questions and conversations with individuals and are always looking for more individuals called to aid the community around them, regardless of gender, religion, orientation, etc. If you want to talk, reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, or at kyfriedsisters.org. That website again is kyfriedsisters.org. And on the next page, we have a couple of ads. The first, River Ridge Camp, Mount Olivet, Kentucky, established 2018. Visit our website for all the details, www.riverridgecampground.com, or call 606-842-1385. Kentucky's first and only exclusively male-slash-gay, private membership-only, clothing-optional, camping and RV park experience on the Licking River in the beautiful hills of northern Kentucky, just 58 miles south of Cincinnati and 48 miles northeast of Lexington. Features at a glance. Private and member-based, exclusively male and 21+, primitive tent sites along the Licking River. Tent sites with electric and water, pull-through sites for large motor coaches, 20, 30, and 50 amp RV sites, 7-month seasonal sites available, cabin and travel trailer rentals including linens, pillows, and blanket, along with microwave and fridge, 2 bunkhouses, city water on all RV sites, dump station and weekly pump-out service, Wi-Fi available in the campground. Day lounge with morning coffee bar and Wi-Fi. Park is clothing optional in most areas unless marked. Property privacy fenced. Private play area in Fort Licking. Pool in spring 2020. 30 by 50 club rosies. Indoor and outdoor showers with hot water and toilets. Friday night bonfires. Saturday night bingo and much more. Themed weekends and wedding facilities available. They are a proud program participant of Friends with Benefits. This again is River Ridge Camp. Their website is www.riverridgecampground.com.
and their phone number is 606-842-1385. The next ad comes from New Life Counseling Services. At New Life, we recognize the importance of clients still being able to receive quality and caring counseling services during this time of crisis. We are offering online telehealth appointments. All you need is a smartphone, tablet, or computer. We accept commercial insurance, Medicaid, private pay, and offer sliding scale. Give us a call today. They are located at 389 Waller Avenue in Suites 200 and 220. The phone number to call is 859-309-2384. And their website is www.counselingky-newlife.com. Moving to the community section, Farewell Empress 38 Uma Jewels. When one thinks of the great East Asian works of literature, one could wax philosophical with Confucius, or one could consider the teachings of the Buddha or the haiku poetry of ancient Japan. But I look to the Art of War by Sun Tzu. Throughout my reign, there was really only one thing I needed to conquer, myself. I have always been my own worst enemy, but I saw this year as an opportunity to better understand myself, to grow in a myriad of ways, and to overcome the tendency to be less than kind to myself. This year was a journey in boosting self-confidence. I was prepared to battle my inner demons a thousand times, to defeat self-doubt, to overthrow a lifetime of uncertainty, and to dominate my timid nature. If you need, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Quote from the Art of War Master Zhu artfully explains what it is to gain a true understanding of yourself and the countless tasks laid out before you. This year was a lesson in self-discovery. I now understand that I am capable, that I can lead effectively. I better know my limits because I push so hard. I know myself now more than I have ever known myself before. And I actually like myself. I am thankful for the challenges this year brought because they helped me to grow. They taught me new skills, the challenges boosted my self-confidence, and I discovered new depths of patience, compassion, and resolve. Throughout my life, I have been nothing but hard on myself, a product of my strict Catholic upbringing, but this year taught me to be a little kinder to myself. I can be a little gentler with myself, to not see every fumble as a moral failing. I can practice forgiveness with myself because I cannot control everything, and that is okay and things always work out the way they are supposed to anyway. And I learned any negative emotion can be turned into a positive with the right mindset. I taught myself to enjoy uncertainty because you cannot foresee everything, and you must be able to adapt. I taught myself that it is okay to doubt an outcome or a decision because you can relax in knowing that you have the ability to deal with whatever comes your way. And a certain amount of caution is excusable, but not too much caution or too often. I will admit I am still working on being too cautious. Timidity and a lack of confidence go hand in hand and have always been the base of my nature. My nature. By nature, I am a reserved and quiet person. My nature is sort of the antithesis to drag. I consider drag to be the epitome of delusion, self-possession, and overconfidence. Drag is overt, the subversion of societal norms, whereas I am introverted and introspective. The overlap, 
why I am able to do drag, lies in my insistence on going against the grain. I thrive on nonconformity. Even when I joined the drag community in Lexington, I wanted to do the opposite of what everyone else was doing. I feel that played a part in my success as a local personality. Drag taught me many things, chief among them. It is okay to be different. Drag taught me to mask my meekness and give me and gave me the confidence to approach strangers and start a conversation. Drag gifted me a lot in the self-confidence arena, but being empress propelled my self-confidence to new heights. As an empress, I had the confidence to travel to new cities, to greet strangers as if family, to host shows in foreign lands, to fill a room with light and love simply by being present, and to feel like I could organize a herd of cats and put on three birthday parties in one afternoon at four locations. I am so thankful for the opportunities granted to me throughout my time as Empress, and one of the greatest gifts I am taking away from the experience is a new level of self-confidence. However, I am looking forward to a bit of respite. I feel at peace now, the end is nigh, and I am confident in the next monarch's taking my place. I am not disappearing, not even a small break, just a sidestep out of the spotlight. As a drag queen, I crave attention, but as an introvert, I gain strength from being alone. I am a swirling mass of contradictions and complexities. Maybe that is why some find me charismatic. Commanding the attention of a room, playing hostess to crowds of people, or entertaining guests is quite taxing on my energy stores. It's not that I dislike people, I love people, and I am simply an introvert. You see, introversion and extroversion is about energy. How do you gain energy and how do you spend energy? Extroverts are energized by being with people. Introverts are spending energy when interacting with people. It has been a year of spending unknowable amounts of energy. While expending all of that energy, I have gotten to experience facets of society that I normally am not privy to. I am happy to report that the world is usually a pretty small place, that we are more connected than we realize, and that, in general, people want to do good. I am journeying forward with a smaller sense of cynicism towards society. Betrayed and wronged in everything, I will flee this bitter world where vice is king, and seek some spot unpeopled and apart, where I'll be free to have an honest heart. From Lay Misanthrope Moliere was a French aristocrat who wrote plays about the hypocrisy of French upper society. He is considered one of the greatest writers of farce to have ever lived. His plays were controversial, Don Juan and others were banned, yet spoke to truths often overlooked in high society. He once said the duty of comedy is to correct men by amusing them, and that still remains the objective of comedians today. I try to incorporate a fraction of education or intelligence in any of my humor. Moliere's most remembered work, Les Misanthrope, is about a man that revels in rejecting the norms of society. He goes against the grain, just as I always have, but unlike me, he learned no lessons among his journey. I may share some of his cynicism for humanity, but I am no Moliere. I enjoy learning for the sake of learning, granting perspective to something entirely new, or seeing an old perspective in a new way is intoxicatingly refreshing. It is the spice of life. And I want to experience as much in life as possible. I feel like furthering one's education, not just in a classroom setting, but in the classroom of life, should be a lifelong goal. That is why I try to absorb as much as I can 
on as many subjects as I can, as often as I can. Throughout my reign, I kept a handbook, an empress's Bible, to pass along to monarchs coming after me. My hope was that future empresses would add to it, that it would be a tool to help answer questions or possibly a guide when feeling overwhelmed. I hope that the nuggets I gleaned along my journey will help future reigns in some way. I also understand that I can come across as condescending. During my journey, I have learned another important lesson. I do not think like other people. I like everything spelled out for me in black and white. I like direction. I am a planner and I am demanding. I expect perfection from myself, but I also expect perfection from those working with me, and that is not fair. Because of the way I think, everything thought out, thoroughly planned, all angles examined, contingencies for contingencies, I sometimes stifle creativity. I leave little room for things to develop organically, and I can come across as domineering at times. I have to remind myself that just because you want everything spelled out plainly with specific directions and explained twice with time for question, questions after, does not mean your fellow creatives do. It was another important lesson for an empress and another lesson in life's journey. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. From the Call of Cthulhu I try to understand each situation with the understanding that I am never the smartest person in the room. H.P. Lovecraft's tale of humanity unknowingly stumbling upon something horrific beyond imagining is a parallel to the beginning of my journey as an empress. I did not know how much I did not know, but ignorance is not always bliss. I experienced a great number of accidents and horrors along my journey, all of them a learning experience, and I walk out of relay with my crown on straight, ready to face new challenges with the knowledge that there is so much more left to experience in life. We're born alone, we live alone, we die alone. Only through our love and friendship can we create the illusion for the moment that we're not alone, from Orson Welles. I want to take some time to thank those who allowed me opportunities. Thank you to my board of directors for granting me the opportunity to grow and for supporting me in a successful reign. Clayton, your leadership, wit, and candor was always appreciated. You made Reign 38 more fun. Glenn, thank you for stepping into a leadership position when called upon. Josh, you served admirably. Thank you for staying focused. Dylan, you may not be able to spell, but you can style wigs, and that's all that matters. You were also a wonderful secretary. Papa, Shannon, Michael, Jean, and Isaiah, thank you all for your leadership and service to our community. Thank you to the performers who granted me the opportunity to showcase your talents. Whether you showed up on a weekly basis or once per year, you are appreciated and I am eternally grateful for your volunteerism. I literally could not have done the fundraising without you. Thank you to the venues who allowed the Imperial Court of Kentucky the opportunity to entertain their patrons. Avina and all of the Hugo's Ultra Lounge staff, thank you. Brian and all of the staff and cast of the bar complex, you're my family and I thank you. Ken and everyone at Soundbar Lexington, you are simply divine. Thank you for your incredible support all year. Elise and Rebecca and everyone at Crossings Lexington, you are our home bar and you are just that, a home away from home. And thank you to the royalty that served Reign 38. Diva, my princess, I love you. Callie, my queen mother, you are appreciated. Molly, you will be my friend for life. Petty, my dowager, thank you for forging a path of steel for me to temper. 
And Nicole, thank you for your leadership and dedication. A special thank you to all of the male members, past and present, who played a part in Reign 38. I love you all. Daniel, thank you most of all for putting up with me. You drove me everywhere, hauled my stuff, and bought me chicken. That was all I asked of you, and you did it with aplomb. A reign is more than a few monarchs and a board of directors. A reign is more than its volunteers. A reign is only made successful with the support of an entire community. Without the dollars, one dollar at a time, from people like you, there would be no reign 38. Without the monarchs that came before us, there would be no imperial court. It has been an honor and a privilege to serve the community and continue the tradition of past monarchs. If drag is putting on the war paint, then I went into battle for the Imperial Court of Kentucky over 80 times this past year. An incredible amount of drag. On top of doing drag as a full-time cast member three nights a week and working a full-time job during the day. To say I had a busy year is an understatement, but it was a year of self-discovery. I was raised in the strictest of Catholic traditions. The shame and guilt you feel is all you need to know, and you should probably feel guilty and ashamed that you do not feel more of it. It has taken me 35 years to get to liking myself, hopefully just a few more until I love myself. I descend from the duties of Empress, having suffered a few defeats this year, but succumbed to no battles. I'm leaving the year an unstable husk of my former self, completely insane and devoid of all hope for humanity. So, a total success. There's an ad on the next page from Pride Community Services Organization. Free food boxes on Wednesdays. Pick up between 3 and 6 p.m. Call 859-253-3233 or email officemanager at pcsoky.org to reserve yours. The phone number again is 859-253-3233 and the email is officemanager at pcsoky.org. And the final ad is on the back page. Hi on Art and Coffee. Wake up to the vision at 523 East High Street, Lexington, Kentucky. At High on Art and Coffee, we believe black lives matter, women's rights are human rights, and to stand as an ally and advocate with all LGBTQ plus members. High on Art and Coffee was created with a desire to make an all-inclusive and safe space for everyone. Always community-minded, we deeply care about being the best neighbors we can be. Being a good neighbor means we fight for equality, fairness, and justice for everyone to live freely in our neighborhood, city, state, and world. Our shop serves not only as a cafe, but also as a space for local Kentucky artists to show and sell their work. We dream of a world where everyone can express themselves completely so no one gets turned away. Because of this, we are proud and honored to represent more than 130 different artists. But we know that this is only possible because of other neighbors like you. The last five years has taught us that you believe in our dream too, and together we can create the community we all deserve. The High on Art and Coffee family is always ready to welcome new family members. Let us work together to create a community for all our families. Thank you for five years, and we cannot wait to spend more with you. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Hashtag Pride. Hashtag Community. Hashtag love. And again, that was from High on Art and Coffee at 523 East High Street in Lexington. And this concludes this month's reading of Link. On behalf of everyone at Radio I, Link, and PCSO, thank you for joining us. For more information or to get involved with Radio I, 
please call 502-565-1914 or email info at radioi.org. To contact Link or PCSO, call 859-253-3233, go to pcsoky.org, or email office manager at pcsoky.org. All phone numbers, email addresses, and other resources mentioned in today's reading will be included in the podcast description. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.